0: Welcome to the Getting Started Podcast. Join me and my guests as we take a look at how businesses are built and ideas brought to life to help you get over those hurdles that stop you getting started. And I'm your host, Claire Durrant, online consultant, business owner and serial dreamer. Today's guest is Sarah Townsend. She's a freelance copywriter with over 20 years of experience. She's also the author of a number one Amazon best-selling book, Survival Skills for Freelancers. The book is described as better than a business coach, and it busts a myth about being your own boss to help you ace self-employment without burnout as a freelancer myself and have worked as a freelancer for a number of years this conversation is just for you if you are thinking about entering that world yourself so if you have any questions or any concerns this podcast is well worth a listen Sarah thanks so much for being here
1: hi Claire it's lovely to be here thank you for having me
0: on I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I think you have um, some really interesting things to share and um, you've got a huge wealth of experience within the freelancing world and um, copywriting. But I'd just love for you to tell our audience and people who are listening a bit about you and how your career has gone so far.
1: Yeah, that's a big question. Um, So I am currently a freelance marketing copywriter and have been for 22 years, which does make me feel old. Um, And what that involves is helping business owners to kind of identify and communicate the things that make their business really special um, in a way that will make their company more successful by attracting new clients, getting new sales, etc. And I do that through kind of clear, concise, powerful persuasive copy. The other side of my career has been influenced since last summer through the launch of my best-selling book, Survival Skills for Freelancers. And what I've been doing since is I've sort of been on a bit of a mission to help small business owners, solopreneurs, freelancers, whatever you want to call them, um, to get more enjoyment from self-employment and through sort of setting better boundaries achieving a better work-life balance and getting um less overwhelmed and burnout so that has kind of led to me doing lots of events this is the 40 something podcast i've done in just under a year and i'm doing training i've been doing some mentoring so yeah it's it's really changed in the past year i have to say
0: Amazing. Wow, it sounds that you definitely are a very busy lady, so I really appreciate your time. I wonder, with all of the things that you've got going on, is that how you pictured your career? Is that something that you had hoped that you'd write a book and freelance and write
1: copy? No, I was totally the opposite. For starters, on the book side, I used to get people saying to me, oh, you should write a book you should write a book on copywriting. And I was like, no, do you know what? I spend my whole life writing. Why would I want to spend my spare time doing it as well? Um, so I always used to say, no, I will never write a book and then start of last year, like literally January, like Christmas the year before I hadn't even got the idea. Um, but sort of January, I decided to turn a blog post that I'd written into a book because the response to the blog post, which was really just about, the reality, the kind of heart on your sleeve, the stuff that people don't tell you, the stuff that catches you out because you're not expecting it. So those sort of highs and lows, we all know that we get them as self-employed people, but um, a lot of the time we don't have the coping strategies because we don't know what we don't know. So... The idea for the book was really to create something that 29 year old me, when I first started as a freelancer 22 years ago, I couldn't find anything that I felt spoke to me as a 20 something year old woman starting out in business for the first time, really knowing absolutely nothing about running a business. And at the same time, I was actually juggling learning to be a parent because I just had my first baby, my daughter, who's now 22. And um, yeah, I couldn't find any books that I felt spoke to me using my language and felt like having kind of a conversation with a trusted friend. So um, that's what I set out to do. And if you actually read any of the 300 plus reviews that people have kindly left on Amazon, that feels like what I've achieved. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I get a lot of feedback saying, oh, it felt like you were inside my head. Like I I felt like I was having a conversation with a trusted friend or it felt like having a personal business mentor guiding me through the journey. So that was really important for me. But no, I certainly didn't anticipate that that was going to happen. It was never on my radar. Freelancing, ditto, never on my radar. I was working full time for a magazine publishing agency in bristol where my daughter's at uni now and um i became pregnant knew that i didn't want to come back to work full-time so talked to my boss about coming back part-time and because this was so long ago 1999 it was before businesses had to incorporate or offer flexible working arrangements and he just said no because I was an account manager uh, as well as an editor. And he said, oh, you can't expect your clients to understand that you're not in the office on Mondays and Fridays or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it just seemed to be a good opportunity to start doing my own thing. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. I've literally, to this day, never regretted the decision for a minute. And that's not to say it's not been tough. I've had some really difficult times and some really big personal challenges but I've never for a minute thought about going back into employment I think I'm unemployable now (laughs) I've literally done this for so long I just like being my own boss too much Uh,
0: that I mean that's an amazing story and I think it's one that probably quite a few people listening would resonate with I personally resonate with that um, in the fact that I'm can't imagine going back into employment now I've been freelance for so long and I think there's this air around freelancing and being your own boss and building something for yourself that's really really attractive and I think over the last year particularly during COVID when people have kind of being forced to reassess their working and how and how they want to work and what what they want that to look like with their lifestyle and work balance that freelancing is suddenly you know super popular and people people want to you know explore that I wonder with your experience you writing the book and the feedback that you had what do you think the perception of freelancing is what's the dream you think that that people why do people want to be a freelancer
1: oh I think it's that the draw of the freedom and the flexibility really fundamentally I've done a lot of training on this actually since I wrote the book I've been delivering a lot of um, webinars to university students. So a lot of, um, third year students, they have a professional practice module. So I kind of got a foot in the door by a guy who'd picked up a copy of the book and Read it and loved it, and said, "Will you come in and talk to my students?" And it was one of the very few in-person things I actually did last year. I had to do it wearing one of those see-through face shields.
0: Wow, <laughs> it was
1: a strange experience. But I sort of stood up in front of them, and I've developed this webinar since um, that's basically sharing the the expectation and giving a reality check because. We like that idea of being able to do the thing that we love. So kind of sharing our special skill, whatever that may be, design or copywriting or editing or social media management, whatever it is. We like the idea of sharing that, but working where, when and how we like. And I think we get into trouble because we forget that we became self-employed to be our own boss and to be in control and then if we're not careful we hand that control over to our many clients Um, and instead of having just one boss we end up with multiple bosses and they're all dictating how and when and where we work whereas actually it doesn't matter if you don't want to work nine to five when you're freelance as long as you're getting the work done and you're delivering a quality piece of work on time and on budget. It doesn't matter what hours you work. You could work nights if that you know if the if the uh, the desire took you. But um, yeah, I mean that's the whole idea. It's it's great to be able to kind of make sure that you have time to um, build exercise into your day. Um, the other kind of things that fulfill you. And, um, you know, that's part of the reason why we love the idea of freelancing in the first place. So if you're failing to do that, you're kind of missing the trip. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think that's really important to note, isn't it? Is that there is this dream, this expectation that, I'm gonna be going to the gym and doing yoga classes and going to having, I'm gonna be a lady that lunches and mm. have this kind of social balance lifestyle and then kind of work on my laptop in the corner of a coffee shop or something like that. There's this yeah. out around it. What do you think is the biggest kind of culture shock maybe to new freelancers when they suddenly, maybe they're a few months in and they're like, oh, it wasn't quite what I expected it to be.
1: I think there are multiple things I really do so in the book I decided to identify eight freelance myths so the things that we think we're getting into and then share my experience the kind of reality check and then share the advice on the back of that so one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with is just how isolating it can be it can be really lonely that was certainly something that I massively struggled with um when I first started I'd come from this kind of busy buzzy agency environment there was always lots of chat lots of banter there was always music on and I found it quite a productive space so to go from that to suddenly working in this office in the top of my house on my own and I knew no freelancers and bear in mind this is 1999 so there was no social media let that settle for a minute imagine a world with no social media there was barely any internet back then so i really struggled with that and i think we're so much more fortunate now that we have all these incredible communities that we can tap into through um, through social media linkedin instagram both brilliant for community we can take part in twitter chats we can join facebook groups slack channels we can join the professional bodies, all of which kind of tend to have very supportive communities. So yeah, and we can network, of course. Um, So yeah, there's a lot to offer now that wasn't available back then. And if you don't lean into that community, it can feel really isolating, but also it can feel like you're the only person facing the challenges that you're facing day to day. Whereas actually there are like tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people out there all facing the same challenges, all feeling the same lack of confidence occasionally and the same um, dilemmas and the kind of, what do I charge? And I've got no one to ask. And you feel like you're operating in a bit of an echo chamber. You can't do it alone. However introverted you are or self-reliant, like I'm extremely self-reliant, but I need my community. I think we all
0: do community is so so huge and it's been that topic of isolation as kind of a, a solo business owner or a freelancer is huge and I it was something that I really struggled with and really resonated with me when you were speaking was so when I first went freelance it was back in 2000 the end of 2014 and even then I don't feel like there was a supportive network yes LinkedIn existed mm. yes Instagram existed and Facebook groups whether I just wasn't aware of these support networks or, or they weren't quite functioning in the way they do today, I was so isolated. And I'd gone exactly the same as you from a busy agency environment, which I imagine most freelancers have worked agency side and then gone, oh, I could do this for myself and then um, walked away and done, done it freelance. And it's a huge shock suddenly to be like, yeah. oh, it's just me. And there's yeah. no one to bounce ideas off. There's no one to kind of, you know, tap you on the back and say, you did a good job today, there's no one to, you know, yeah. encourage you when, you know, you haven't got paid on time, or all of the struggles that, um, that come yeah. with freelancing, it can be hugely isolating. And it was a real struggle. So I think, you know, what you're saying, and it sounds like the book is, offers some really good advice to, to how, how people can navigate that, because it is such a challenge.
1: Yeah, well, I I wanted to kind of reflect that really and make the community at the hub of the book. So I actually interviewed over a hundred freelancers um, in the process of writing the book, and um, I'm including uh, quotes, advice, and sort of mini case studies throughout the book. So it's not just my voice and my experience that you're benefiting from. You're actually getting twenty years of experience from me, plus you know quotes and advice from over a hundred freelancers of all sorts of different industries and all sorts of different experience levels and and skill sets. So um, yeah, I think. By by building the community in, I mean, for starters, it's chapter one. It's like, um, you know, going solo doesn't mean going it alone. I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make is thinking, oh, I've got to do this on my own. But actually you really don't. And um, you'll feel a lot more fulfilled and supported and you'll get a lot more fun from self-employment if you are, you know, if you feel that you've found your tribe or you've got a group, like, for example, I have a WhatsApp group of fellow um, freelance copywriters who I barely knew at the start of lockdown, but we'd met in person maybe once or twice at a conference. And I suggested at the start, I said, why don't we just, we actually started having a weekly call, a weekly video call. And it kind of um, became quite a regular chat on Twitter. And then quite recently, we moved it over to a WhatsApp group. And honestly, we support one another with everything like a couple of them have got small children um a couple of us have uni-age children and you know same <laughs> just <laughs> bigger children bigger problems <laughs> um so you know we're not just supporting one another through the work stuff but the stuff that actually impacts your day whether you want it to or not because yeah. we, we're not robots we can't switch off that peripheral you know they're all important home stuff and family stuff. We can't switch that off when we go into work. It's part of us and we are our business. So if we're not taking care of ourselves and prioritizing the need to talk to others and the need to kind of normalize that feeling of isolation and loneliness, it's, it's just a lot harder. You struggle a lot more without it
0: absolutely community however you you find it and there's some great examples there of where people if if they're feeling lonely could find them through facebook through events eventually when when we can do them a bit more face to face um linkedin twitter all of those places which is really useful and it's you know definitely a challenge i wonder in your journey as a freelancer um, and in your career what other challenges you've faced and how you've overcome them
1: Um, Well, personally, I've always struggled with um, my own mental health and anxiety issues and kind of, you know, ups and downs throughout my life, really. So for me, probably the first 10 years and this is why I think it's really important for me to have written a book about this because the first sort of 10 12 15 years I was rubbish at the stuff in the book and I don't want other people to go through those same challenges without feeling that they have that support because I feel that I kind of created a successful freelance career with like no help no guidance really Um, I'm somebody that was never able to ask for help in any area of my life I used to see needing to ask for help as a weakness. But I've since realized that actually it is a strength because trying to do everything for yourself is the fast train to burnout and burnout and overwhelm and stress are so common in the freelance world. So, um, yeah, when I was back, when I was still married, I, I just used to find, I was kind of always on, So the whole idea of me going freelance was so that i could just do two to three days a week to begin with when my kids were little but i could never really switch off so i didn't have boundaries i would always feel like oh my god i've got to check my email i've got to check my email because whatever client doesn't know i don't work wednesdays or whatever and and they're trying to get hold of me and um i didn't realize that it was actually okay for me to set the terms and actually When you start doing that, not only do you start, you know, you are, you're just transforming things. It's a game changer. When you start realizing you can say no to the work that doesn't satisfy and fulfill you or doesn't feel right for whatever reason, you perhaps tuning into your gut and thinking, "Mm, something about this client just doesn't sit right with me. I don't think I've necessarily got the skills for this project, it's okay to say no. And i never realized that so i would take things on that were perhaps too big for me at the time or um i'd be already overbooked and then i'd you know a client would say oh can you do this project for us we need it this week and i'd go oh oh yeah and then i'd end up working all the hours and that's not that's not a fulfilling freelance career so um i know it's such a common problem with really everybody who works for themselves has the temptation to do that from time to time so in the book I really wanted to kind of go over the things that you can do to avoid going through those challenges
0: mm-hmm, yeah would you um mind sharing kind of maybe a top one or two kind of tips that you would say to somebody who may be feeling a little bit like overwhelmed or they're struggling to say no or put those boundaries in
1: um yeah Which shall I go for um well I do quite a lot of talks and events about setting boundaries and um I kind of cover maybe six tips I think and I've recently written a blog about it haven't I I've been writing so many more blogs lately that I've actually kind of lost track of what I've done and what's just still in my head (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you can relate to that Um, but yeah things like um, really straightforward stuff but really practical straightforward tips like um, using the Pomodoro technique for productivity so um, if you're not oh i i actually bought myself a little prop the other day i bought myself a tomato shaped timer because i'm always talking about the tomato and how a tomato is your secret productivity weapon um so the idea is that you break your day or part of your day down into chunks of time and you focus without any distractions for 25 minutes at a time and then when the timer goes off don't have to use one of these you can get an app on your phone or just use the timer on your phone but when the timer goes off, um, take a five minute break and just make sure that you get up away from your desk. Just maybe you just go downstairs, stick the kettle on, do some stretches, just like loosen up. Because otherwise, especially when you're tense and stressed, the tendency is to just like, you know, hunch over your laptop and really kind of dig deep and just carry on trying to be productive. But in actual fact, it's very hard to focus for a really long period of time without those regular breaks. And it feels a bit like a paradox, but the breaks do make you more productive and they do make you more focused. So um, yeah, look up the Pomodoro Technique and consider um, using that. But um, also things like make sure that all your notifications are off and that you're, um, you're consuming social media on your terms that you're not getting sucked in just because you've got a notification, oh, such and such commented on your status or such and such retweeted you. Don't let those things suck you back into social media. Instead, set perhaps designated times of day where um, you want to sit and kind of, perhaps when you're not so productive or you're sitting there with a cup of coffee, go and um, consume intentionally for 10 minutes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: at a time. And it's not it, you know, it's so easy to just get lost in social media, isn't it? It's a really big issue, but kind of keep things simple. So sort of minimize as much as you can, minimize the stuff that you can control, like stop checking your email every few moments. Or, um, so I recommend setting an email autoresponder day in, day out, not just for holidays. And, um, it just lets your clients know that you've, you've safely received their email kind of manages their expectation in terms of how long they've got to wait for a response. But it also, I think sends a secret signal to them that a, you value your own time, but uh, that kind of helps with respect and trust and kind of building those client relationships. But it also, um, it also helps to, um, tell them that when you're working on projects for them you're not going to be pulled off task every few moments checking emails for other clients yeah. so um yeah that's two or three
0: yeah hopefully great great tips great tips i've really um heard good things about the pomodoro technique as well people that yeah. have implemented it and i don't know about you but the do not disturb function on your phone it's so underappreciated i don't think i really understood or realized it was there until maybe middle of last year. And I was like, wow, I can just silence my phone for t- like long great, now, however long so I can focus because being dragged by notifications is such huge time suck, isn't it? And it's, it yeah, feels it unavoidable is. because as freelancers, we kind of, we need to be on social media and we need to be talking about our services mm. and communicating with our audiences because that's how we build our businesses. But when you're constantly being bombarded with messages and notifications, it's so distracting. You fail to actually get the work done sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so I think if you kind of start off the day by avoiding social media, um, I've recently done a little habit change, but I'm going to come on to that a little bit later. But I used to pick up my phone first thing in the morning because my alarm's on my phone. So I'd pick up my phone, switch my alarm off, and then I'd instantly go into checking my Instagram, my Twitter, my LinkedIn. And um, it's just not good for you to do that because um, I saw a video by Jim Quick. I don't know if you've come across him. Um, he does some really good, short, effective, punchy videos about kind of um, psychology and how to make your brain work for you, I guess. And um, don't know if would approve of that summary, but he said, if you check your email first thing in the morning, you're letting other people set the agenda for your day. So actually, if you decide, right, I have this task that is my one thing that I really don't want to do, but I really have to do for today, it's far better to actually pick a task and go, um, don't know if you've read the book about, um, eat that frog. It's about doing the thing that you least want to do first yeah. in the day so that you always feel like you're, it's like a quick win, isn't it? Something that you've kind of got out of the way and you sort of start to feel better about yourself as a result. So if you have a task that you want to do, trust that actually the world's not going to end if you don't check your email for a couple more hours before you do that you finish that task and um just kind of get the task done and then check your email because you instantly feel like okay i'm i'm winning at the day you know i'm starting to get things done on my agenda and on my terms rather than everybody else telling you what they need from you
0: i love that i love that there's I, I like what you said there, because there there's rarely a reason that you need to check your email instantly as soon as it comes in. Like, And if yeah. there is something that is such an emergency, most people will call your phone number, you know, and yes. and, and um, that that's kind of the signal that this is really important, but actually emails are not as important. And I think there's something around emails feel like false productivity sometimes you feel like oh I'm responding to emails this feels really productive I'm getting things done but actually you're not actually doing the work you're it's kind of like a a false economy of productivity isn't it that's a really
1: good way of looking at it I like that a lot because it's it's so true we kind of think oh well I've just managed my emails but actually yeah have you or have you just gone and deleted a bunch of spam I don't know not necessarily (laughs) the best use of productive time I yeah,
0: No, I think I, when I worked in agencies and, and if you've got experience in agencies you know your inbox fills up as soon as you clear it it's oh. full again and it's constant yeah. client emails and internal emails it's an absolute nightmare I started um, just closing down Outlook and I'd open it in the morning and I'd open it after lunch and then I'd trust yes. that if anything was really that urgent that everyone knew what my phone number was and that they'd call yeah. me or that you know they yeah. find a way to get in touch with me if it was that urgent because most things can wait five three, exactly
1: five, that five. and I think I think by um, the idea of um, I've just realised my garage my garage have my car today and they're trying to phone me about oh. needing to deliver it back and I can't answer I'll um, just have to wait um, but yeah with the thing with the autoresponder, responder I always say. Um, Thanks for getting in touch. I check my emails just a couple of times a day while I focus on writing hardworking copy from my clients. I'll get back to you soon. But if it's urgent, feel free to call the mobile. And nobody ever does. Yeah. It never is urgent, is it? You know, especially, I mean, in certain fields, yes. Obviously it would be, but I'm not saving lives. I'm, uh, I'm writing marketing materials. So yeah, yeah a bit somebody, of a difference.
0: I love that. Somebody um, at my agency, she used to say... Um, because I, I work in social media and have done for a while, it's like we're doing social media. We're not packing parachutes. Like no one's gonna die if we don't tweet on time. No yes. one's gonna die yeah. if this. like it. that. And like it's it's kind of holding it in, intention and holding everything in context, which is so hard, particularly like going back to being isolated and being like your whole world is that one task or those three tasks that you need to get done. Um, And you've kind of got no, no sense of what reality actually is. Actually, some things aren't as big as they feel they are. That's really, um, really awesome. And then, so imagine the people listening are kind of either first, first few months of being a freelancer, or they're considering leaving their job or changing what they're doing and going freelancer, as um, freelancing the number one thing is kind of, you know, well, you need clients. You need to have a bit of money coming in and and some work to do. How would you kind of recommend finding new opportunities or how people can go about finding clients?
1: Um, Yeah, that's like the perennial question, isn't it really? That's kind of the biggest challenge when first people start out or one of the biggest challenges. But um, I think what a lot of people underestimate, and this comes back to what we were already saying about community, the more connections you have, the more potential there is for you to turn strangers into friends, into clients. Mm. And one thing that I talk about a lot is the importance of curiosity and the reason being that um, we're all pretty good now at kind of defining our customer avatars or our customer profiles or whatever you want to call them. But what that sometimes means is that when you meet somebody, whether it's online or, at a face to face event, it's quite easy to scan the room. Imagine, you know, you're in a networking event in kind of real life to scan the room and go, yeah, do you know what? There's not really, I can't see my dream client here. And it's quite easy to quickly disengage from that situation. But in actual fact, if you keep an open mind and you show a genuine, a genuine interest in the other person and their business, it's that. It's like that Maya Angelou quote: "People will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel." I love that quote. Yeah. Um, and if you kind of focus on the other person, obviously you've got to tell them a little bit about what you do and why you're there. But rather than being salesy, a lot of people don't like the idea of being salesy anyway. Yeah. But even if that person to you doesn't appear to be somebody who's a potential dream client, you don't know who they're married to. You don't know who they're related to. You don't know who they go to the pub with or play golf with or whatever. Mm -hmm. So always keep an open mind and see like the potential in every single connection. Because it is all about, doesn't matter whether you're B to B or B to C, it should all be, and I didn't make this up, obviously, but it should be H to H. It's human to human. Yeah. You're a person, and you want to solve a problem for another person, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, if if you can keep an open mind and really nurture your network, nurture, grow your network. But another thing that a lot of people don't do enough of is has she just you have to have the confidence to kind of put yourself out there because if people don't know that you exist as a business mm-hmm. then how are they going to buy from you you have to make it easy to buy from them but without going down the salesy route because nobody wants to buy from somebody going oh pick me pick me you know let me manage your social media let me design your website whatever it is it's all about think, why should I? Why should I work with someone if I don't know them? So you have to put in the groundwork first. You have to be prepared to to build the relationships and to put yourself out there and to appear as an expert in your field, someone who's generous with their advice, someone who's wise, someone who's friendly above all. Because people don't always pick the person who's Best at the job, they pick the person they like and they want to work with.
0: Definitely, I, I I agree with all of that, and I speak to lots of people and do a lot of training in personal branding, particularly on on LinkedIn, and that's what it's all about. Yes, it's about you know creating content and sharing case studies of what you're doing and proving that you're really good at what you're doing, but. The, the other side of that coin is that you need to be engaging and commenting on other people's and showing a real interest in what other people's yes. doing and you know giving advice where it's needed or you know showing up and congratulating people where where that's due and and just being part of that community rather than just trying to take from that community and
1: I yes exactly
0: remember that everyone's favorite subject to talk about is themselves so if yeah. you ask people about themselves and you indulge that, because everybody like, likes t- telling people what they're up to, right? you know, even if you have to tease yeah. it out of them, they love it. So the more you can kind of ask them how they're doing, you know remember key dates that are important to clients you know maybe it's a client's business birthday or their anniversary those small things really help you develop those relationships and become memorable and that's the main thing because they might not need you today but they might need yeah. you next week next month next year and you want to be remembered yeah. then by what you do today so i think it's just important to yeah. not just not just take and be looking there looking for for all the, all the work it's looking to build those networks and just trusting, trusting that process.
1: Trust the process. Yeah, yeah, I really believe in that. Um, and I think you you articulated that perfectly just then, because I think it is all about you You can't be impatient and also you can't fake that that interest. It has to be genuine because if you are kind of faking it and you're kind of thinking what's in this for me, you know, ooh, can I can I get something out of it? Then it, it will show. It, it just comes across as disingenuous. So um, yeah, try to to really think of something that, it's nice if you can find the common ground. I feel like everybody has common ground in some weird way. And for me, I get a kick out of finding that, I I, I, um, met a guy through, linkedin well over no 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 probably about a year ago now um a guy called craig allen and um yesterday through some strange twist of fate we ended up having a zoom call and um he was talking really randomly about um what they call in scotland where he's based the punching trees and i went i know the Trees. I said I'm known to go around um, the arboretum that is relatively near where I live and punch the wrong tree and like I wouldn't recommend it. But there are these um, giant sequoia trees uh, that have this really soft spongy bark. And it was kind of like, oh, wow, you know, I'm a, a total nature nerd. And it was just so nice to kind of talk to somebody. It wasn't anything to do with business. And I think that makes him memorable in my mind and hopefully me memorable in his because it's like oh yeah sarah the punching tree yeah (laughs)
0: exactly and you just don't know where those types of connections and those little hooks will take you or lead you i i mean 90 percent of my my clients and my work freelance comes from someone who's referred me or somebody who's seen something that i've done or had a conversation with me five years ago or or something like that and and it is all about finding those hooks, finding those ways to be memorable and really and really making that network work for you, isn't it? So um, I love podcasts and reading and, and, and learning new things. I think that's a really important part. You talked about being curious and I think that's a really lovely way of putting it. As a freelancer, we always have to be curious and, and learning and expanding our thinking. I wonder, Could you share with us something you've read recently, a podcast or something that's kind of inspired you or stuck with you?
1: Oh gosh, Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts but because I feel like, because I'm always kind of thinking, oh who else can I get to know so I can share my own advice, I, I have a really bad habit of kind of only listening to like one or two or three episodes and then I kind of forget to go back and listen to them. So I'm probably the worst person for that. There's one that I really enjoy just because it's just they're so funny. Steve Folland and um Frankie uh, torturer, um, who do doing it for the kids podcast. That's just brilliant. It's about freelance life for parents. Um, it's short. It's just funny. They're just crazy. I just love it. Um, so I'd recommend that one, but in terms of books, I find it really hard to narrow down because, um, especially this year. So I reckon last year, the year before, I probably read no more than half a dozen books in the entire year. And, This year, I just decided, coming back to what we were talking about earlier on, about trying to get me out of the habit of picking up the phone and getting sucked into email and sucked into social first thing. Um, My partner and I decided at the start of the year that we would try reading for half an hour at the start and end of every day. And I'm currently reading the 29th book this year and i rate them all i keep i'm such a nerd i i keep a list of all the books i've read and i give them a mark out of 10 so i've just read so many books i find it really hard without looking at my list to remember what i've read and when and what i thought about it um so at the moment i'll give the book i'm currently reading a, a quick shout out in case anybody um who's listening is kind of working in the copy side of things but a book called copywriting is by andrew bolton which is kind of month two months old only so it's pretty new it's just brilliant it's not a manual for how to how to write but it's kind of more a celebration of the craft of writing and it's just he writes brilliantly he makes me feel totally inadequate as a writer Um, (laughs) so yeah that that that's one that i would recommend but i feel like my recommended reading always changes it's totally fluid there is a a section like a references and resources section at the back of survival skills for freelancers and that's got um maybe half a dozen maybe 10 recommended reading books but as i say they change all the time
0: Oh, amazing. And obviously, if people are listening to this podcast, they may be interested in picking up your book, which is fantastic. And I really do recommend if you're exploring the theme or the idea of going freelance, or you are a freelancer, you've been a freelancer for years, there's so much value packed into those pages. And I just think that anyone can could get so much from it. Where might they find your book? Where can they pick up a copy?
1: Well, um, at the moment, I'm trying. It's, it's quite hard for indie authors to get stocked in bookshops, I'm discovering. So I'm trying to get stocked in bookshops because I think that's really important. But at the moment, it's available on Amazon or territories. So anywhere you have an Amazon, all around the world, it's sold in 12 countries. Um, that I know of maybe even more Um, so you can get it on Amazon in paperback Kindle and the audiobook version may be live by the time this podcast goes live because it's been uploaded and it's just waiting for them to just do the quality checks and whatever so if you've got audible then you can listen to it hopefully Um, but I guess probably the easiest way to oh yeah and also if anybody's Boycotting Amazon because I know some people are um, for good reason. Um, then feel free to drop me a DM. I'll always sell you a copy direct. I've got one of those um, sum up payment machines, so you can pay with PayPal or credit card or whatever, and I'll post it out to you. We'll
0: leave um, the links in the show notes. So if anyone oh yeah. Wants to kind of find you on Amazon or find you direct. We'll leave that. We'll leave those in the show notes. Yeah. Perfect. And then, where else can people find you if they want to kind of connect with you, either from, from a freelance perspective or learn more about your copywriting services? Where can they find you? um
1: I always think probably the easiest sort of central point is to go to survival skills for freelancers.com. So that's the landing page for the book. So that contains a link to my copywriting website, a link to buy the book on Amazon, more information about the book, and a little bit of a bio about me. And then it also has links to my social. So the social sure that I'm most active on probably LinkedIn and Instagram but I also really like Twitter so yeah I don't follow my own advice and only do two and do them really well I am I'm (laughs) quite active but if anybody does listen and wants to connect then do like drop me a personalized note so that I know you've connected through Claire's podcast because it's just always nice to know where people have come from
0: they definitely. yes. Yeah. So if you do go over and connect with Sarah, make sure you say that Claire sent you and um, say hello that way. Sarah, it's been so nice to chat to you. And I think that, you know, there's so many themes that we've spoken about from loneliness to productivity, to kind of mistakes and traps that freelancers um, can fall into. And I really will echo that um, picking up a copy of your book would be super valuable for anyone who is in the freelance world. So thank you so much for your time. And I absolutely. Pleasure to talk to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you.